0: Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor Tim Barone at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, you are worthy of our praise and our honor, our thanksgiving, uh, both now and for eternity. And so receive our thanks and praise, and we glorify and honor your name in this moment. We pray that you would be with us by your word and by your spirit, that you would cause something new to happen in us, that we would believe and be strengthened into faith and be able to build one another up as we join along in the mission that you have called your church to in this world. We pray in the name of Jesus the King. Amen. So let's open up to Romans chapter 15. Continue. Uh, Last couple chapters in Romans. Um, today, in our Old Testament and New Testament readings, we see the, the plan of God just unveiled. In Isaiah 66, God intends to bring all people to worship Jesus in a new heavens and a new earth. There can't be a more ambitious mission or claim that God is doing, but this is what he's up to. And in the New Testament, we see that Jesus sends his 72. He sent disciples to proclaim to all creation, the kingdom of heaven is here. It has come in the person of Jesus, and all who seek it will enter it by the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so today we're going to listen into Paul as he talks about his role in this mission and as an apostle, and we're going to glean um, some wisdom from that, especially as we do these things to the glory of God. And so we'll begin today uh, in chapter 15 beginning in verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled my ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is God's word for us today. So we see uh, here, basically what St. Paul is saying is it's time for him to move on. That he's going to go and continue the mission that he's been called to, to preach to the Gentiles. And so we kind of have the beginning of his parting words to the church at Rome. Uh, But we're going to see that through all of this, there's a thread that's tying it all together, and that is all of this mission is to the glory of God. That everything that Paul has done has been to the glory of God, and he encourages us to join in on that same mission for the glory of God as well. Today, I wanna have kinda three main words to give to you. Uh, One is a word about pastors and preachers and teachers, word about pastors. Uh, The second is a word about pride, And the third is a word about miracles, or as Paul says, signs and wonders. So uh, pastors and pride and miracles. And so the first word is the word about pastors. And so let's look again at verse 14, kind of glean through this. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all the knowledge and able to instruct one another. And so here's one thing about the apostles, right? The apostles are there. They don't say, hey, you know what? We're here, and we're going to move into your basement, and you're always going to have us with you. You're always going to be able to ask us questions, and you're going to be dependent on us for the rest of your lives to understand anything about God. It's not what they say. In fact, they say, we're leaving, and you guys can do it yourselves. You can teach yourselves, you know enough of the gospel, the knowledge of God, that you can instruct one another and build each other up. Uh, In Philippians, Paul says it this way, that in his absence, the church is to work out their own salvation in fear and trembling. It's that the gospel doesn't change whether or not the apostles are there, whether or not the teacher you like is there. The gospel is the same. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all, whether or not there's a pastor there, whether or not there's a teacher there. And so the goal of the apostles is not to make people dependent on them, right? That's the goal of a lot of businesses, right? If you're running a business, you want to make profit off of, of some product or some person, you want those people to be dependent on you so that they cannot live without you, so that they continue to give you their money. But that is not the way of the church. The way of the church is to equip the people so that they are not dependent on the teachers, but rather on the teachings of God. And so we should not be dependent on, or we should be dependent on the teachings that the apostles give to us, hand over to us, but not dependent on those those who teach. So Pastor John, we were talking about this in our podcast, that pastors are kind of interchangeable. That we come and go. And if a pastor, you've become so dependent on a pastor that when he leaves, you can no longer comprehend the gospel or you no longer have faith, that pastor has failed you. Because pastors are supposed to equip people so that they are confident in the faith themselves. Not that they're confident in the pastor's presence so why do I think this is an important thing for us, especially to take away today and to think about? We're living in an era where very likely, especially if you are in my generation or younger, you're going to live through an era where you will not have a pastor or you will not have a teacher that you like, that you prefer. And so the question is, if the case is that you do not have that particular person, that particular voice in your life, does that mean your faith goes away? Does it mean that you don't no longer have any connection to the gospel or to your confidence in Christ because that one pastor you like stopped preaching in the one pulpit you like? Because if that's the case, you're at great vulnerability. And I've seen many people leave churches because the pastor they liked, wasn't preaching there anymore. And that's a failure. Because the people should be able to be resilient in the case of difficulty, in the case of the absence of a preacher or a teacher. The gospel has not changed. The word of God hasn't changed. And so the people must rise up to teach one another, to encourage one another, to hold on to one another in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should be not dependent on teachers, but fully dependent on the teachings that God has given to the church. We should be independently able to stand, and we should aim for that. That's the first thing, is the gospel and those who proclaim the gospel are not to make you dependent on them, but to make you strong in the word of God, no matter where you go and no matter who's teaching you. Uh, The second thing is a word about pride. And so let's look at verse 15 and following. Paul says, But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. I'm gonna stop right there, and if you're an underlining person, underline that sentence. In Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud for my work for God. Now, throughout these uh, text, Paul is kind of profusely reminding you that he really shouldn't get any credit, but that all the credit should be going to God. For anything that he has done, all credit goes to God. So look what he says. You, it's, it's almost like you can miss it if you're not paying attention. He says, I was given grace by who? In verse 15, by God. I didn't get this grace myself. It was given to me by God. 16, I was a minister of who? Christ Jesus. To the Gentiles in the priestly service of what? The gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by who? By the Holy Spirit. And so in four different phrases, he's saying, I don't get any credit for this, right? God put me forward. God put me into his service. God is the one who called me to preach the gospel. God is the one by his Holy Spirit who has sanctified people. I just was here to do the work. I'm not worthy of any of the credit. But then he says in 17, in Christ Jesus, then I do have reason to be proud of my work for God. And so here's where this word of pride is, right? We see that Paul says in Christ, we should have, we do have a reason to be proud. All the work that we do is counts for something, uh, but we just don't get the credit. And so here's what I want to kind of show you, that there is a false pride, right? And a true pride, a false humility, and a true humility. So there's a pride that's false, and it's, offensive to God, and it basically says, you know what? It's all about me, baby. I'm, I'm the reason I'm here. I don't think my parents had anything to do with it. I'm just here. It's me. I'm the one who has the intellect. I'm, this is my money. This is my life. I'm going to do whatever I want, and hopefully, I'm, God is so lucky to have me on his team, right? How blessed he is that I just grace him with my presence, and I'm a big deal here. I, it's my work, my efforts that are really important here. And that's a pride before God that doesn't recognize all the gifts come from him. And it's offensive to God. It's a great sin. Right? But then here, Paul shows us there's a true pride. A godly pride that says, all glory to God. I'm not here by my own standing. God created me. Um, I'm not saved by my own works. Jesus and his work on the cross saved me. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be included. And if there's anything good that Tim has done, it's because God has worked it within me. And I'm proud that God has called me into his service. That's a true pride. It gives glory to God. It shows that God is the source of these things. There's also a... a false humility. A, a true humility is much like the, the true pride. It's humble. It says, I've done this by God's grace and God's alone. But then there's a false humility. And a false humility is kind of like this. I don't have anything to give. I'm just, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'll leave it to the smart people. I'm not strong enough. I'll leave it to the strong people. I'm, I'm not old enough I'll leave it to the old people. I'm not young enough. I'll leave it to the young people. That I have nothing that I can offer. I have nothing that I can give. And so there's this false humility that just put yourself down continually. And really what this false humility is is just a smoke screen for laziness. It's just saying, I don't have anything to contribute. I don't have anything to do. So I'll just let the good people do it and I'll just kind of sit on the sidelines. It's a laziness, or maybe worse than laziness, it's unbelief. It says, actually, God hasn't called me to be a part of his grand mission in this world. Actually, God doesn't care what I do with my time and my body. Actually, I don't actually belong to my Savior, Jesus Christ, at all. So I'll just let the other people do it. And so, um, this is this false humility that we want to avoid. What is the cure for this false humility? It's actually found in these verses as well. uh, Where it says, I was a minister of Christ Jesus, in verse 16, to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And this is pointing back to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 says, by the mercies of God, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, right, made purified by the Holy Spirit of God. That there was a time when our offerings, our work were useless to God, that they were not going to do anything, they weren't going to please God, but God has baptized us, he's washed us into his family, and he's made our offerings acceptable by the Holy Spirit. And so Christians cannot say, we can't contribute anymore. But instead, we've been made to be partakers in this great mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, a true humility joyfully participates in what God is doing and says, whatever I am, whatever God has given me, whatever talents He's blessed me with, whatever intellect and money and powers. I'm going to give for the sake of God, and I'm going to be proud of my work for God because of that. Uh, I was in Thunder Bay for a number of years. You may not know this, but Canada's cold, a <laughs> cold place to live, and in particular where I lived on the north shore of Lake Superior. It was very cold, and I'm proud of my work that I did there in many regards. There was a, a young girl who was uh, coming into the church, and was teaching her about baptism and teaching her about God's will in her life. And she said, I want to be baptized, Pastor. I said, that's fantastic. Praise be to God. When do we want to do it? She said, well, my mom was baptized at a Bible camp, and I really have always wanted to be baptized in a Bible camp. And so I said, okay, are we talking about the spring then? (laughs) And she said, no, I'm talking about in a few weeks. And so in November... (laughs) We went to this Bible camp and we cut uh, in the ice, that was about three inches deep at that time, uh, a big square so that she could be immersed. (laughs) And I I was sure she had the Holy Spirit. When she went in, she was like, she just jumped right out of there (laughs) and ran to the sauna that we had prepared. Uh, But ah, what a beautiful moment, truly, that she had this desire and truly that God had worked in her this desire to be washed into his family and to be called a child of God. And so we can be proud of the things that God does through us. We can be proud of the way that we influence people in the gospel. What else would we think about and care about in the new creation besides that by my humble service God brought more people into his holy kingdom? Finally, there's a word here about miracles. And so look with me with, at verse 18. It says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. And stop there. Here, Paul brings up something he hasn't talked about this entire time. There's been 15 chapters of Romans. We've never heard of Paul doing signs and wonders. If you read through the book of Acts, you see that Paul did a number of signs and wonders. Ten are recorded. He does incredible miracles. He heals crippled people. He even raised a dead man after a man had fallen from a window and he died, Paul raised him from the dead. Now if you think, if you're trying to win people over to a particular message, you might start with those credentials. You might say, you know what, you guys should listen to me because I raised someone from the dead. You guys should listen to me because I healed a crippled man. You should listen to me because of the powerful signs and wonders that God has done through me. But actually, Paul hasn't done that, has he? What has he done? For 15 chapters, he's used the spirit of God and the word of God to try to convince people of the truth of the gospel of Jesus. He's used reason and logic. He's laid out the reality of our sins. He's laid out the impossibility of getting into God's grace by our works. He's laid out the grand mission of God to save people only through the blood of Jesus. And this he's used to win people over because this is truly the power of God it's only at the end that he mentions these miracles. And so this gives us an opportunity to think about the role of miracles in our life as Christians and in our life as faith. And this is what I'd like you to uh, think about. Oh, skip that. Um, That miracles are for faith, and faith is not for miracles. I'm gonna unpack what I mean by that. Uh, Starting with the first, or the second one, Faith, what we believe, what we trust, is not so that we can obtain earthly miracles, okay? And sometimes we get this confused. We say, if I just have enough faith, if I just get enough people praying, uh, God has to give me what I've asked for, right? He must. And so sometimes when we think this way, when that miracle does not come, what are we left with? Well, obviously, I didn't have enough faith. Or, obviously, I'm actually not in God's graces. Or, God never cared in the first place. Or, God wasn't able to do it anyway. And so, when we think that the reason for faith is so that we can obtain earthly miracles, and it doesn't come, it threatens our very faith. And it says, if you didn't get it, apparently God doesn't care. And that's a problem. I've seen many people hurt because of this way of thinking. The correct way of thinking about miracles is the first phrase. Miracles are for faith. Every time someone did a miracle in the Bible, it was so that we could trust in the works of God and trust his words When Jesus did miracles, when he healed the sick, when he raised the dead, when he cast out demons, it was to signify to the world who he really was, the king of creation, the king over demons, the one who heals ultimately our diseases. It's so that people would recognize his authority and trust his words. And Jesus says as much that this is why he's doing these miracles. Similarly, when Paul does miracles, it's so that the word might be believed, It's so that we can trust the words of Jesus. And by those words, God can raise us from death to life. You see, God is actually not that interested in a band-aid solution for our problem of sin and death. He wants a permanent solution for you. He doesn't want you to just be healed for 20 years, He wants you to be healed for eternity. And so faith is always greater than miracles, and miracles are so that you might have faith, not the other way around. And so to really kind of boil this down, we would say if you had to choose, if you had to choose between holding on to faith or being cured of your terminal cancer, which would you choose? Which is more valuable? It's hard to think this way, but if we say it's faith, Faith is more valuable no matter what comes than we have eternal healing in Jesus Christ. He raises us from the dead. And so faith is always greater, more valuable than earthly signs and wonders. Signs point to something, don't they? And the signs and the miracles, they point to Jesus crucified and risen for the sake of the whole world. And so if we think about these things in these ways... All glory goes to God in the end, doesn't it? If we recognize that the word of God has gone into all creation, right? And pastors come and go, teachers come and go, but we'll stand on the word of God, all glory goes to God, not to the preacher, not to the teacher. If we see that we have been called to a godly pride to use our resources for the sake of the kingdom, right? Humbly giving credit to God, all glory goes to God. You see that? And if we recognize that the miracles that God has worked are so that we might increase in faith, so that we may hold on to Jesus, all glory goes to Jesus, who died for us so that we might live eternally. Let's pray together. Lord God, we we ask that all glory would go to you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be strong and to stand in the word of faith that you delivered through your apostles to your church. We ask, God, that you would fill us with humility and uh, that you would give us energy and hope so that we can serve one another with every gift and talent you've given to us to build up your body. And we ask, Lord, that all the signs and wonders you do in, in our times and in the times of the scriptures would help us to increase in our trust in Jesus. We pray all these things, both now and until the day that he raises us from death to life. In his name, amen.